0: may become preeminent he is expected to have enthusiasms 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 what am i what draws my admiration what is that which gives me joy
1: <laughs> you know, Thanks. baseball <laughs>
0: Hi folks, welcome back to the Full Hitter Podcast Thank you for joining me again Hope you've been enjoying some of the past couple of episodes As we begin to focus more and more in our fantasy baseball draft for 2021 Tonight I have another special guest, Mr. Steven Weimer He's a highly successful NFBC player Steve was kind enough to share some wonderful knowledge with me on this podcast I think it's going to be beneficial to a lot of people out there Um... Talks a lot about projections and aggregate projections And how to use valuation systems like SGP um, If you're not familiar with SGP Standing Gain point You can totally look it up Or you can go to smartfantasybaseball.com Tanner Bell has a wonderful website And some wonderful tools to help you evaluate players and projections um, In a totally new lens If you're not used to looking at it like that Gained a ton of knowledge recently Kind of getting into that a little more Um, And Tanner is really helpful I'll help you out through the whole process And yeah You know um, Highly recommend The process By Tanner and Jeff Zimmerman as well Um, And obviously The Baseball HQ Forecaster These are the type of books You have to just get into And rip apart Once, twice, per preseason And bring it to you into your draft room, your draft table, wherever you're doing it online. It needs to be part of the preparation for the draft. So if you guys are not familiar with those, I highly just supporting the work of both Baseball HQ and um, SmartFantasyBaseball.com. Alright, so we'll get into this episode with Steve. Hope you guys enjoy it. Alrighty guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pull Hitter Podcast. I'm here tonight with Mr. Steve Weimer. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. I appreciate you taking the time out, come out and talk a little um fantasy baseball with me tonight. Yeah, for it's, sure. Um it's always a good time to meet some people and get inside each other's brains about how we like to draft. Um, so obviously we had some 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 relevant baseball news the last couple uh last yesterday, actually, with Lindor and Carrasco coming to the New York Met um and I'm wondering do you think they have any type of value shift uh given like park factors or anything like that have you um have the time to investigate that at all yeah
1: I looked into it a little bit more on Carrasco than Lindor just because I was kind of surprised I think it was Derek Cardi had a, a tweet about the like, how stark the park factor difference was right, um, I saw that. right? Yeah. yeah and I, I was I didn't really have it in my head like I knew that you know, um, I'll just say say stadium, city of field, I didn't know to, to that extent. And then, um, I was checking that two of the projection systems have updated uh, steamer and it looks like Zola's master Ball just came out and it is a pretty big, pretty big improvement. Um, and I just ran those through real quick and it moved him up like a fair amount in my ranks anyway, right into like the Jack Flaherty range actually. Um, so,
0: that's, yeah that's a big bump i did see that too on both the steamer and masters ball and i uh, being being a met fan coupled with that i'm like at the end of a dc right now and i'm like immediately want to get into one like right yeah. after i saw that so yeah that's um i feel the same way and i'll probably have some you know now i'll get a little indoor b- bias being a met fan like yeah. it'll be no r- rationale behind it other than like I'm gonna root for the Mets on the
1: door. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think that's he's an easy person to root for. Just so you know, seems like a great guy, fun, fun player. Anyway, plus he's on your favorite team. I think it's okay. You know, a lot of things like we look at these valuations, like oh, this this is a twenty dollar and forty cent player, and this is a twenty dollar sixty cent player. Um, that doesn't really matter if if someone's that close. I think like who's fun to root for is a fine reason to to go for one
0: over another. Right. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So I want I talked to all my guests about how they you know got into baseball and how they got into fantasy baseball so tell me your story how how would you get involved with uh, this great pastime national pastime
1: yeah I mean um, I don't really know like how I first started playing I'd always been a baseball fan you know and then eventually um, sometime in, like high school just started playing fantasy baseball you know with friends and nothing serious probably took a few years off along the way you know but off and on for for a long time um and then started getting a little more serious with it like 2014 2015 like discovered the nfbc and and played poorly in that for a few years and then you know <laughs> and then figured out what i was doing and spent a lot more time on it now you know right. uh, i can at least justify you know the money that what what did you it.
0: what did you notice like did you notice something immediately that you were doing wrong, or like how did you like correct that? Or, or, or was it just the time put in? Is that like the biggest? Mostly, factor?
1: mostly just the time. Like I'm, like, I'm not even sure what went wrong with those first teams, but you know, it was probably just making decisions on you know bad grounds and not really looking into things. And, um, yeah, just 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 like going off, I don't know, like,
0: like one, the guts.
1: Yeah, gut feel or one page of ranks rather than, you know, looking into it deeper and see what more experts think. If I hadn't even heard of projections at that point, you know, Um, so you start, you know, playing a little bit more and poking around. You see how other people are doing it and then, you know, kind of take it from there. Yeah. Eventually that's what
0: I did. It's a process, right? I mean, you know, you this year I I learned, I learned a ton. It was a good year, but I learned a ton in, in, in losing too. And I think that's what fantasy is. Like you, you really kind of identify, you know, what, you know, what you need to do to compete with every single person, you know, um, you just got to stay humble and just realize that, you know, you, you're not going to win everything. So, um, you got to like next year the fresh, fresh slate, you know? So, um, I noticed on your Twitter account that it said that you're a, a methodical fantasy baseball player. So um, that sounds pretty, uh, you know, like assassin-like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, de- definitely, definitely not that. I think uh, by that, I just meant like that I, I have methods for things. They're not, they're not unique methods. They're not like mind blowing methods, but just, I try to have a method for most everything I do. Like I don't fly by the seat of my pants. I don't really go with my gut like my gut would not lead me to success a whole lot. Right. Um, and I, I know that I'm much better off just trying to uh, find methods that work and, and stick to those um, kind of just throughout the process, no matter what it is that I'm doing, like all the way from like, you know, setting KDS, setting lineups, to fab bids, just um, don't, you know, go with the gut, don't just do it on a whim, but like put in the time, figure out what works and then stick with that. And then like you are saying, like it's a process and try to refine those methods um, right. as, as
0: you're going along. I, I mean, you, you, you seem to have figured it out because you know. I, I know in 2018 you came in second in the draft champions, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Second
0: overall. Uh uh-huh, Yeah. And tell was- tell me about that. Was that like close? Were you in second for like a long stretch, or how was the stretch run? And were you shitting bricks?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I was shitting bricks. Um, I have I have uh, kind of strong memories of that last day. That was the year that there was two playoff games, um, and I was in it. Like I, I think it was you know something of a long shot. There was a chance on that last day where I could have, I could have taken the lead and could have taken it down. And it was, um, I think it was like the Brewers and Cubs played one, and then the the Rockies and Dodgers played one. And uh, I still had a chance going into that second game. I had Marquez. He was pitching for the Rockies, but at that point, like I needed him to like just like do something like historic, like, you know, like a, like a 15, <laughs> a 15 strikeout shutout and a, a game one sixty three or something like that. And obviously that didn't happen. So I was happy to, to finish second, um, to, uh, it was Dorian Kinman that won that year and he's a really good player. Right. So I was glad to, hit, you know, get that close. I didn't really, you know, expect that to happen and funded enough to, to play more teams. That's really the most important thing.
0: Right. That I, absolutely. I mean, you, and then last, last year you had, um, 15 top three finishes, right? Am I right about that? Um, about those stats? Or, or nine maybe. first place finishes, I thought?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think nine nine out of something like 20, something like that. 21 maybe teams, something like that.
0: That's pretty um, outright um, uh, amazing. So, um, yeah. You figured you figured something out right there. What was the biggest reason for the increase? I know you you mentioned like doing your projection system and then running through the evaluation. You use the um an SGP formula, right?
1: Yeah, I use okay. a lot of the, the tools um, that you know are mentioned a lot. But everyone who hasn't heard of them or has heard of them and haven't used it or interested the the, the different tools that Tanner Bell Smart right. Fantasy Baseball puts out. Um,
0: yeah,
1: I so actually, I use.
0: Yeah, I actually just um, recently, you know, dipped my toe in that water. You know, I've been in, um, in contact with Tanner. He's good. He helped me out for, you know, he was a, a big help because I'm a, a complete spaz when it comes to spreadsheets. And yeah. he helped me through a ton of, um. He you know, he walked me through stuff. And when I couldn't do it, I send it over to him and, he you know, God bless him. <laughs> it's like, yeah. But so this is my first time I'm really, you know, looking into it and on, like, I knew of the concept and uh, I guess I noticed that, I noticed the value that it brought to it once I really started to understand it. So um, I still want to keep my, like, way I I evaluate my players, but I want to definitely try to incorporate it somehow because I see the value in it. I, I, once I really grasped the system and read the, you know, like read the process and understood it, I said, okay, like I, I get it. I get it. Why it's such a valuable tool to use, you know?
1: Yeah, I think I don't, I don't really understand the theory of the different valuation systems that much. i think you can get a lot of success using um, any of the the main contenders, but SGP is just the easiest for me to actually work with and kind of understand. Um, right. So, so right. that's why I go with,
0: yeah. right? And I, you know, I think it's I think it's good to you know try and understand different ways and see what works for you because you know maybe um you can be successful and try something new and be even more or you know like we'll find you don't like it or you like it better than what you're using at the moment so um it's it's uh it's been a revelation so far for me actually because it's like i found like um the way i like to evaluate my players and put them into like skill buckets um what I really found to be um, helpful in the last couple of years was um, well in my home leagues. And then last year in the NPC was identifying like late, late round guys um, that yeah. had like big upside. Cause uh, like the, the skills would pop off the page for me when I'm looking at like a power bat or a speed bat. Like last year it was like Burns and hey Oscar. They kind of, yeah. they were at the top of the, you know, of my, of my skill bucket. And I, I was, you know, I was grateful to like get them where I did because they were tremendous. Um, so, but now I can, I think I might be able to be um, a little more rounded at the top of the draft and still use that at the end, that kind of where I'm looking for like an upside play, I'll use that type of system. And then um, when I'm just looking for like at bats and, um innings pitch, right? I know that's uh they're pretty big. I definitely um realized that this year, uh, even though I won. I don't know if you know. <laughs> did you see where I fell in the at oh, yeah.
1: bat? Yeah, I remember that now. Like Did yeah. you happen to catch that when you We like we like middle of the I mean like yeah. middle of the like twenty fourth twenty four hundredth. Yeah, that's that's amazing to me.
0: It's it's very amazing. I yeah. I hold on. I want to pull it up real quick because I was um. I I remember when I when I this is like this is like my biggest accomplishment with spreadsheets pulling all the data like after the draft champion. I was like so happy I was able to put everything onto a spreadsheet all by myself. Even though it's just you know copying pasting and wasn't no real uh, formula making or anything like that. But yeah, I was uh 2344th in at-bats but then when I did like uh like run percentage and home run percentage it was like I was in the top 100 and everything so I just got complete efficiency (laughs) with the at-bats you know (laughs) um but yeah you you noted that that's definitely something that you're targeting right
1: yeah um volume yeah. I was, I was looking back at it after you asked that question, like I think you hear that a lot in draft and hold that like, you know, volume is King. Um, but I didn't really, I don't think fully realize how true it is until I was just looking back at my teams, um, over the last couple of years. And basically like this isn't, this is especially true for me uh, more so than others. So getting volume, getting at bats, getting innings is, is, is important. I think overall, like looking at all the leagues I was in, not just the ones that I won, um, see if I can find it here. The team that won usually finished like around fourth uh, in at-bats and around like fifth in innings pitched, something like that in the league. So, you know, top third to make sure you have the volume to, to pile up those counting stats. But the, the, the leagues that I won, basically I was always top third. Like if I wasn't first, second, or third in at-bats in the innings, I, I don't win a league. Um, so, wow. yeah. so yeah, 14 wins I've had in the last two years, not a single one what that I win that was outside of Top three in at bats, and only once that I win a leg where I was outside the top three in innings. So it's actually like depressing when I was thinking about it because it seems like like I just I just pile up those counting stats, and um, to the extent that I have a skill at fantasy baseball, it seems like that skill is not identifying good players. Like I just draft the ones who are going to play. Like I just find the guys who are going to play. I pay attention to lineups and make sure that every week I maximize that playing time, and that's 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 the extent of my ability
0: it seems that's the extent of your is <laughs> maximizing, but you know what it is, it is an ability. I mean, especially, I noticed you mentioned that um, you will tweak the projections in terms of the volume, like at bats and, and innings pitched.
1: Yeah. Um, I'll tweak projections in terms of skills too. Uh, if okay. There, if there's a reason to do so, not just cause like I saw, you know, a, a GIF or a GIF or whatever,
0: Yeah, um, I don't or, know what or it like, I, like, it.
1: I, I, like, I know I'm not a scout, so I'm not going to do it because I, I don't, I'm not going to tweak someone's projections because I feel like they're going to be good or bad. But if I see like a good objective reason, um, to adjust a projection, I'll do that, but it's I a lot know. more important. And those are small adjustments. So it really doesn't really, you know, make a big impact in the ultimate valuation, but, uh, changes to playing time, you know, might have a, can have a much larger, um, impact so that's where I think it's especially important to pay attention to to the news and to the batting orders and things like that
0: right um, yeah. right and did, have had it ever um beaten you in the butt I guess I want to say like any type of tweak or just not enough to really um like it was never a playing time adjustment where like maybe you over ejected a guy and you know like valued him a little higher. Like, has anything stood out to you? Like yeah. that, that I shouldn't have done that. Um, I'm sure it's happened a lot.
1: Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I may have you know, have repressed those memories, um, so I can't think many examples off.
0: Okay, no um, big like, deal. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned here about your your winning formula: finish to finish in the middle third, and average stolen bases, saves, ERAs, and WHIPs.
1: Yep um and and, and I, I should say that the winning formulas and scare quotes so like form, <laughs> formula such as it is um but yeah like looking back at my teams uh on average uh they'll do you know like maybe like 10 points out of 15 in a lot of those categories so average and steals on the hitting side um ERA and whip and saves on the pitching side but then just on the accounting stats so runs homers rbis wins and strikeouts um almost always like in the top three. So like, you know, 12 points or more and the teams I do well, that's typically kind of where I'm, I'm getting the points. And that's just, you know, from partly drafting with that in mind, like drafting boring regulars who are going to play. And then also just cranking out the the, the weekly lineups. Like I'm just on my phone, on my computer on Fridays and Mondays. So like any lineup change um, or, or when the MLB lineups come out, any adjustments I need to make, I'm going to, have to make sure I get, get those done so that I you know get all the innings and all the at-bats I can.
0: That's, yeah, that's extremely uh, pivotal. Yeah. So is is this your favorite format to DC? Yeah,
1: I think so. Yeah, I mean, I love the slow draft aspect. You know, it's like everyone is how I do prep over the winter. It gives me something to kind of pass the time over the cold, dark winter. Um, have a little bit of time to think about picks and if I take this person, you know, on my next round pick, you know, where's I going to take my team? Or I take this person. Where's he going to take it? Um, so. Yeah, it's probably my favorite. I mean, the main event is the most intense, right? Like, everyone's paying attention to it. It's the highest uh, dollar league that I've ever played or probably will ever play. Um, so it's definitely, like, it's a different kind of fun. It's the intense fun. But uh, the
0: DCs overall, um, if I could only do one, I'm pretty sure that's what it'd be. Right, and um, I noticed you, you said that you're doing a solo shot right is that correct yeah if that's trying
1: that yeah i was excited about it last year so hopefully it'll go it'll go this year that's the one where it's kind of a uh, blend between the dc and the main i don't know if you've looked into it but it's bigger roster. bench something like that um it's a bigger bench and then fab once a month rather than once a week which is
0: yes okay you know, yeah <laughs> i see that i <laughs> see um roster size you got 11 bench um, with a, with a normal starting team and then once a month, that's interesting. That's a nice different kind of merge. Um, is there, is there any type of different approach into that? Or it's the same thing you're seeing. Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, I think it will be interesting to, th- part of the appeal is just, that'll be interesting to think about how the strategy should adjust. And if you do that, well, I think you can do it better than other competitors, right? Cause there are adjustments to be made. So if, in terms of how you're going to do your fab planning for four weeks instead of one, um, making sure you have the depth, the cover at every position at least once over, um, you know, looking for the pitching matchups down the road, and so forth. So uh, it's fascinating to think about uh, how to approach it. And there's the incentive that I think some people are probably going to do it league and not make adjustments correctly, right. right? Like just approach it too much like a main or too much like a DC when it's actually you know a hybrid of the two. So if you can, if you can come up with and apply a good process for how to do that kind of league. I think there's, there's some advantage to be had there.
0: Right. Cause that, yeah. Like, like you, like you mentioned knowing that first month of schedule that you have to do a real deep dive and plan that out accordingly target guys for that month. And then know when you're going to move on from them. Um, have you looked at the schedule and applied it to any of your early draft champions or you just no. because of coronavirus and <laughs> yeah. all that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I it's too much. The,
1: yeah, I don't know what the yeah. odds of – last year, I mean, it was, it was great for doing that, right, when the schedule is set and it's only 60 games. Right. Like, I, like I remember I had uh on one of my main event teams because he lined up – you don't know for sure if you stick this way, but he lined up for, like, a lot more road starts um, than you would expect. I think it was more than you know, 50%. And the schedules look pretty nice. And there's a few pictures like that that you could kind of plan it out. Um, but, yeah, this year, in a, in a regular season, there's not too much – point doing that not in a dc like in a main then yeah sure sure, for your next last few picks you know go ahead and get your streamers um but this year especially like i doubt that the schedule that's out now is what's actually going to be played so um
0: yeah i agree i think it's uh it's definitely something that's gonna change or even if it doesn't um it it wouldn't be i think wise time um you know spent on 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 figuring all that out um so that's interesting, the solo shot. And you you got me intrigued there because I never really realized it was a hybrid. For some reason, I just thought it was the same rules. I must have never really dove into the actual overview until you mentioned it. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, this is different. Um, so that's interesting. How long has this format been around for? Is this something that's been pretty... I'm pretty sure that they just created it last year
1: and then it got, okay. it got canceled. So it's never actually yeah no.
0: oh wow so there's no historical data on it like mm, interesting so you can hmm.
1: you can be the the inaugural champion
0: yeah, yeah the, <laughs> Oh, man they have an overall for this as well right mm. yep okay
1: something i forget how many legs like 15 or something they're looking for so it's not going to be you know as big as as the main and and so shot the name is because everybody can just have one entry which is i don't know I don't know if it's a, an appealing factor or not, but um, I guess there's something to that. Right. I'm just viewing it kind of as a second main. I, I don't know, like rather yeah, than no, that's it, yeah,
0: yeah, I, I mean, like that. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I'm definitely going to give this some thought now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, twelve team leagues, yay or nay? Uh,
1: nay for me. Um, just in terms, not not in terms of them being poor competition or like a worse game or anything, but just it's too, it was too hard for me. The couple of years I did it, it was hard for me on Fab Sundays to switch my mindset back and forth from 12 and 15. It's it such different player pools. Um, the, the, the line below which you should cut a player is so different. It was just kind of more efficient to just stick with one format and five to pick. It's always going to be the 15s. Right. That's, uh, I feel,
0: I feel pretty, Pretty much the same way because a lot of my home leagues are 12th. And when I go back to that, it's a mess. I, I look at the player pool and I'm like, why is this guy available? <laughs> why is this guy available? Why is this guy available? You know, because like you said, you can't get out of that 15 team mindset. It's um yeah, I haven't done the yet either. And I don't know if I'm going to because... I think I prefer the I like going deeper into the player pool too you know i I like really enjoy that. that's why I enjoy the d c um like that thirty five to fifty range ex- somehow stupidly excites me you know like landing your you know Joe Joe, imminence Joe or <laughs> your uh Logan Webbs you know those, those yeah. guys that we'll discuss in a little bit um <laughs> yeah. so are you are you involved with one right now or how many have you done so far? Um, yeah
1: i pretty much keep one going at all the times from once they whenever they they start them up so i'm in co- coming to the end of my sixth and i've overlapped a little bit i I've, I've almost held myself to that that resolution to just have one going at a time but yeah. you know when i get to around 40 of one and there's another one about to start i'll go ahead and jump in so see so yeah this is number six um, nice. and i probably awesome. I, I bought the nine pack and i think that ought to pretty much take me into like when it's time to get ready for the main event focus on kind of a different different mindset on preparing for those fab leagues
0: i wanted to actually ask you about the breakdown for dc um how do you like to do your you know pitcher batter splits and um the also catchers outfielders you know all that fun jazz is there like a a number you shoot for a minimum level for each
1: yeah i'm pretty formulaic about it i'll have it used to be 23 pitchers For almost every team now, I'll move that up to 24 sometimes. I think this year and last year, um, it's better to have too many pitchers than too few. Um, So probably 24 pitchers, most of them, vast majority being starters, um, at least 15, sometimes up to like 18 starters. Four catchers on the infield positions, make sure got at least two pretty much full-time players in each position, I'd say, and, and, and three eligible. 10 outfielders, like, yeah, pretty much, pretty much all the same. It is nice to get the, you know, multi-position guys and there's tons of them um, this year to kind of free you up a little bit to, to do some different things. But that's, I think that's what I always want to end up with.
0: I feel like at the end of the, uh, the DCs, I'm always, I want to pick every speculative closer out there you know like it's 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 strange I have like an obsession with them and (laughs) it's like I feel like sometimes too I I, I'd rather plug this guy in than a starter you know that might just you know like your Jordan Lyle type that's you know I don't know it's it's always uh, big decisions you know but I think it's better to have some length and starters and this year I tried to tone down my Actually, no. I'm looking at my roster right now. I I I didn't tone down anything. I'm taking stabs at all the next next ups in the pens. But yeah, I didn't really. I didn't really draft um closers aggressively early. So I took one in round 15, Will Smith, and then it's just all been, you know, number two guys like Wendell Ken and you know I'm yeah. I, I'm living in that world. So yeah. I don't know. I mean,
1: I think that's the high the high variance but right? Like that's what paid off for you, right? In your And your DC victory was just picking up those guys late, so don't don't use the draft capital on it. Um, So if you're going for an overall, I think that's a decent strategy. I usually just trying to win the leg, and to do that, I I want to get middle of the pack, hopefully, in saves. You know, there's like what like six closers right now that you can count on, or something like that. Um, So I try to get maybe there's eight, I don't know, but uh, try to get one of those if I can. And I just find that when I, I like I don't start the relievers like if i actually like look through my weekly lineups if i drafted like seven or eight relievers there'd be like three or four of them i just didn't start a single week you know because i'm gonna right. i'm gonna stream the two start pitchers and i'm gonna try to get those matchups and um so they just end up being wasted picks like i'd rather have a i don't know like johnny cueto like in round 40 than a, a guy with like a 10 percent chance of getting saves because johnny cueto i might start a few weeks when he's got you know
0: two home starts
1: um against like colorado and arizona or something like
0: that so right yeah. We are going to take a quick break, and we're going, to, uh, we're going to be introduced again to the robot segment.
1: This is the Robot Is It Real segment where the robot himself, Phil Dusso, talks about
2: random baseball stats. Today, I'm going to talk about swinging strike rate. Swinging strike rate is the percentage of pitches thrown by a pitcher that resulted in a swing and a miss by the hitter. It would seem to be a useful stat, but the real question is whether or not it can help us predict the pitcher's strikeouts the following year. I looked at all starting pitchers since 2010, who had 80 or more innings pitched in two consecutive seasons, and came up with a few easy rules to remember. First, a starting pitcher with 9k per 9 should have a 10.7% swinging strike rate every additional K per nine is worth about 1% in swinging strike rate. So a starter with 10 K per nine should have an 11.7% swinging strike rate. Now, to predict K per nine the following year, every percentage point above or below that swinging strike rate will result in a difference of 0.1 K per nine the following year. As an example, if we take Carlos Carrasco who had a 10.9 K per nine in 2020, His swinging strike rate should have been about 12.7%, but it was 15.1%. His swinging strike rate was therefore 2.4% higher than what we expected, which means we can expect his K per 9 in 2021 to increase by about 0.24. Obviously, there's a lot of other factors involved in projecting K per 9 for 2021, but if we're only using these two factors, then we can expect this K per 9 for 2021 to increase by 0.24. Over a full season, season, that's the equivalent of about five strikeouts. So with all that said, swinging strike rate is a useful stat, but not nearly as useful as you would think. All right, welcome back from the break. And
0: we, myself and Steve, we are going to get involved with some recent trends in the NFBC draft champions. We're going to be talking about some of Steve's most rostered players, we're going to be talking about some best and worst values rel- relative to where they're going right now in ADP, and um, yeah, we're going to look at some buzzy pitchers. I love the way you phrased that. And so yeah, so let's um, let's go with the trends first. Uh, tell me, tell me what you've noticed so far in these drafts that has really popped out to you.
1: Um, I mean, I think everyone knows that pitching's just going earlier. Uh, at the top of the draft than than previous years. At least that's what it that's what it seems like, and I haven't looked at the, the actual ADP data, but that that seems true to me also. And that's that's fine. I mean, that's a style I'm comfortable with. I usually want to load up on pitchers early. Um, it's a little a little disappointing to have to be fighting over those pitchers with with more people, but you know it makes sense and it's good that you know, I think I think players are just getting better and better, uh, more used to the
0: format. Um, yeah. Uh, so speaking of the pitchers, let's talk about some buzzy pitchers that yep. have that have been moving up, at least around an ADP since from November ADP to December ADP. So you call out a couple of those guys that you wrote down and um we'll get into them. Sure. Yeah, who 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 really stands out of that group? It's Gaussman, Musgrove, Molly, Montgomery, Mean, Smiley, and Evaldi. And um pretty much looks like it's a good mix of between, you know, 15 to 25, 30 spots in in ADP. And Smiley actually moved up 40 spots. He's the most. Um, So yeah. Which one really stands out to you here? Like as maybe um, something that increased too much or, you know, what, what do you like here? Uh,
1: I like Galsman. Yeah. Uh, uh, Of all of these, I mean, he's the one who's going the earliest, but I think he's also the, the, probably the best, um, probably best upside and most likely to achieve it i'm going to say looking at them all um i really like what he did i'm comfortable paying that new price of 117 in fact i've gotten him in the eighth round of each of my last two dc's so a little bit ahead of that um and steamer loves him i think if you look at steamer he's something like 17th starting pitcher Um,
0: wow
1: yeah it's you know you can see why he's uh, looking at the numbers so uh, this year, 10th best k BB, 12th best Sierra. If you go back to second half of last year and just look at the, the games he started, he had a few relief appearances in that. But just as a starter, he's 9th best k BB, 10th best Sierra. Um, other projection systems are a little cooler on him than, than Steamer, but still um, I always aggregate you know, to try to hedge a little bit. And he still comes out as a decent value at that price. So yeah. I'm, I'm fine with Gossman in the eighth round. Um, it will probably be the seventh before long.
0: What about Joey Musgrove? He's the next guy you got on the list here. Yeah,
1: I haven't gotten any Musgrove yet. I've, you know, fell under the spell in previous years. I'm not not opposed to it. I've seen some really good players take him really early. So that's one thing I do is, like, when I'm in all these D.C.s, I, I take note of who I'm playing with and who they're taking. You know, maybe I
0: need to take it more seriously uh, when I see someone. That's a good point, Steve. Yeah. I, like how, I like how you said that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah.
1: But I haven't pulled the trigger yet. I mean, so what's he doing, like? 127. Um, I think it's just a volume thing. I'm Looking at the projections, I, it's, it's a decent value at the price he's going now, but the projections have him at 174 innings. And that seems a bit rich. Um, if you bump that down to like 160,
0: then I think there's probably better better picks to make at that range. It does seem a bit rich. How nice. many uh, – I know you mentioned the aggregate. How many um, projections do you use? Uh,
1: three. Three. And that's, I'd love to use more. Like I love getting into that stuff and, and, and averaging it all out and looking at the differences, but I'm not that good at Excel and Tanner Bell spreadsheet. Only has room for three projection systems, so three projection systems is all I can aggregate. <laughs> yeah, um, right. I, tr- I tried to like, okay, I'm gonna create a new page for a fourth projection system, and like the formulas are just like way too complicated. Yeah, um, so absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, and that steamer master's ball and the HQ right now. And HQ, yeah, it's exactly yeah. the yeah. same three that I plugged in. So that's that's awesome. Tyler Molly, he's another guy that jumped up from 174 to 156. Have you? Have you got any shares of uh, Molly yet?
1: No, and this might be a place where I'm too much of a, too, I don't know, stick for the projections or adhere to them too closely. I know that like folks who pay attention to the skills more are pretty excited about Molly, but the projections don't love him. He actually comes out as one of the worst values relative to ADP uh, right now. So like you can see the skills there, um, but I don't know. I need a little bit more to go on uh, for me at what, they go to the 11th round now. I don't know. What about you?
0: Are you? Uh, I, I I think it's a, I think it's a tad too high for me, but I think it's also if I'm in this spot, cause I do see the skills, they pop off. And I think that if I'm in a spot where I kind of need to go to pitching, hmm. I probably will be um, 10. I, I probably stay away most of the time, but I think if I need a pitcher, I, I probably won't be afraid to you know reach up and grab him. Okay.
1: And they're another team. They seem dead set on, you know, getting worse and trading away one
0: of their starters. So there's another slot. That's know, true. That's up. a good point. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know why that's happening. <laughs> I don't even know why they're doing that. Um All right, who's the next guy that we have here? Did Jordan Montgomery?
1: Yeah, I think Montgomery, Means, and Smiley are all going pretty close together, right around 200. Is that right? Um, and that's a group that like they all have. The skills that if you just look, just look at 2020, that just really pop. Um, and I've pretty much every draft, like I want to get someone in that group, maybe even include the you know, there. And I'll just usually take whichever one. Um, this last thing I've got Montgomery once means twice. Smiley, I haven't got at all. I, he, I think he was my most, most owned player last year. Um, and I want to like kind of get the, the payoff this year, but he's been moving up so fast, it's been hard to time in a, in a draft every time I think, you yeah, know, I'm gonna get him. Um, it used to be the 15th round I blocked off, it was like, okay, this is where these are all going, just get one of those kind of upside pitchers. But now it's 13th already, it seems like, and who knows what it'll end up. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I don't have a strong, I think that they all have like great skills, slightly different selling points, um, but I just wanna make sure I have a little bit of each.
0: I think I I like that group. I like Evaldi the best for where he goes. He's pretty – it's a pretty sneaky pick, I think. I think um, think a lot of people might be overlooking him a little bit this year. So who – I know that you've had some guys that you've rostered uh, pretty bit much in your draft. you got three players here, three batters, Santander, Troy, and J.P. Crawford. What do you – what stands out to you? I think I read something on Santander – and I don't know if it was Jeff Zimmerman who said like he was like the Nick marcakis or I don't know if he, like the new Nick marcakis like the old, like, you know, nice solid compiler, you know, type of, type of bat. Um, so what do you see in, in these guys?
1: Yeah. So Santander, just even just by the projections, if you take them kind of as they are, I've actually got him as the seventh best value, like relative to ADP, you know, so he's, he's worth a lot more than his current draft price. And that's what the projected, like 261 average. Um, I saw the forecaster put like a 280 up on him and that seems definitely doable. I don't know if you use like that pitch um action board yes. right? Yeah. but uh, I was looking at, he's got, Santander has a deserved strike percentage 9%, which is actually like the seventh lowest. He's like down there with like Fletcher and Arias and stuff like that. Um, so it seems like there's like, you know, real solid contact ability there. And I was, I was doing a little filter on that. so. If you look at that pitch of your board, take hitters with 100 plate appearances, a deserved strikeout percentage under 15, and a deserved barrel percentage over 10. Here's here's the five names you get. All right, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Jose Ramirez, Robinson Cano, um, oddly, and Santander. So wow, wow. it's pretty elite company. So like I mean, that's like a perfect kind of storm there where. Like usually, I'm just going with projections. Projections already have him as a value, um, and then you can see just looking at skills like some serious upside on top of that. So, he's been a nice kind of pickup and target. Usually, like around ten, sometimes he falls to eleven. Um, so hopefully- that's a oh.
0: that's a nice little dig right there. That's um, it's a beautiful leaderboard, absolutely. And um, that's that's a nice. How did you how did you kind of decide like the filtering when you do that do you just kind of like does it just happen or do you have something in mind like intuitively you're looking at like a like two skill sets or you know two metrics or did it just happen do you just land yeah. on it?
1: that one was just like looking at Santander and that nine percent percentage just really jumps out I was like I, I don't fully understand how that's calculated I'm I worried that there's some kind of error because it seems almost too good to be true but then once I saw that it's like okay um, over in this other column there's a solid double digit you know barrel rate um, that can't be a very common uh, combination of, of skills so to, yeah
0: nice that's a very good little dig right there I I would suggest anyone who's listening who um, has't asked Alex about his pitch leaderboards Alex Chamberlain at Dolph Hallvegen Um it's pr- it's pretty cool. It's uh it's a fantastic layout of stats upon stat and a couple deserved metrics, um, deserved barrels. Right, is up there. He's got he got a ton of good stuff. A ton of info. At first, it it was overwhelming to me, but now that I'm used to it and to navigating around, and I really like the similarity scores too. Have you checked that out well, that I've, he has? Not
1: really. I haven't played around with it myself. I've seen it like on Twitter when someone will point out, you know, an interesting yeah.
0: similarity, but. It's pretty cool. Like right? it's like when you want to look at some buckets of skills, you just can, you can, you can quickly pull up three, three metrics or four or five and pick a player's year. And it'll show you who was close to him in those skills, who is the closest player. This tends to the the scores that it's named after. So it's, it's pretty cool. Cause some, sometimes I've landed on guys like, Oh, okay. Um, this is interesting. So, it's good. It's good to mess around with the controls. You know, like something pops out, like you mentioned with the with with Santander, and you never know where it could lead you, right? It could just it could just be what you need to win a league or, to, you know, to put you into a better spot to cash. Um, G Man Choi, I just took him. Um, actually, I forgot what round it was, but I was extremely happy to see. Um, his name on your list here. I was like, hey, I, I just took Joy. Um, I think with the trade of 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 Low, is he the Low? Or is he the Low? I still get this wrong. I'm not. I'm not even gonna try it again. I got him in the 36th round, and I think I got you know 450 uh, bats, right? No, yeah. that, that we're looking at, and some power. Um, so he was actually the last batter I took, and that was about 10 rounds ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, cause he, I remember. Right where he was, there was a couple of other good possible starters that I could have um, tried to get, but I just couldn't pass him up. You know, I, I probably didn't need to get him there as opposed to that next best starter. But I think the variance in the starters, too, was like, let me just lock up this bat and it'll be the last kind of big bat again until I speculate um, later on. Yeah. It's just, just like a possible volume thing for you. Yeah. Or again, like some stats that popped out for you for Troy.
1: No, his stats are terrible. Um, if, you, <laughs> if you look, like it is like all his bad at ball stats. they totally cratered in two thousand twenty. But I think he missed some time, you know, cutting away even at the short season. And so it's, for me, it is just volume. So I mean, the he was good enough for the Rays to keep batting him fourth, you know, against righties in the World Series. So you know, they believe in him. There's no reason to think he won't keep playing in the top half of the the lineup next year against right-handed pitchers, and that's a huge volume value. If you're right. down past round thirty or whatever
0: good thing to be aware of like you said minding the news kind of pay attention to lineups where where the where the teams put these players in context right cuz you can kind of gauge how how the organization feels about players so gives you a little stronger conviction when when you're picking guys and um JP J. Crawford is that's strictly volume play too right
1: yeah yeah mostly volume there's like that whole cluster of shortstops that's like it's just a no-brainer to get your second or third shortstop all around like, going Around four hundred or four fifty or whatever. Like Rojas is there, JP Ahmed, uh Jose Iglesias. Jose, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. uh Adamas is a little earlier, Nico Horner, that's a play playful
0: time a little later, but you know, somewhere in there. Pretty it's a good it, group. It's a know. good group when you need to go grab like it's a co- it's it's I've noticed in the trend of the draft that it's it's like a safe area where you know you can go back to shortstop and and get some, you know, safe, safe guys, safe bats that'll be in the lineup, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm mostly I'm okay with whoever falls out of that group, but it's usually Crawford for whatever reason. And I think I actually prefer him the most. He's the one who might run a little bit. He's going to hit lead off, you know. So you know, on a yeah. weekly or semi-weekly basis, if so I get the most, uh, play appearances for you, so, yeah, volume a tiny bit of upside,
0: maybe. Right? Just yeah, the- I, I think so. I think so. Um, we'll go over the pitchers. You have, uh, Lucas Giolito, um, have been a prime target of mine as well. Yeah, so, what you see in uh, so,
1: Lucas um I mean so steamer hates him and maybe that's part of why he gets pushed down a little bit I don't know how many people base draft based off a steamer but um if you that's a situation where I'm comfortable I just go the steamer projection out it's like so much out of line with all the other projections I guess it's still holding what year was it that he was the worst pitcher in baseball like 2017 or something 17, like, right. like you, you do that once and steamer will hold it against you for years. Um, so <laughs> th- throw Steamer out and you know, he's pro- he projects for me as SP uh six, but he's really close behind Surger and Darvish. i definitely take him over Surger. Um kind of a coin flip with Darvish, but I can see the case where they can give over him. So um yeah, he goes a little bit later.
0: And- I have to I have to agree with you. I I'm, I'm I'm with there with pushing him even ahead of Darvish uh and right around that Bauer territory for me, but I like him. I, I, I think there's a ton to like with him. I like the end zone stuff the most. It excites me. He's the type of guy I think that going to propel himself next year into that next big three, you know, if any, if any, one of those pitches pop out, I think he has the chance to get in there. Yeah.
1: And I'm a, I mean, he's a fun guy to root for. It always helps a little bit. Um, uh, all his old tweets. I remember when uh, all the hater stuff came out and all the old tweets and stuff and then, and then people dug up G- Lucas Toledo's. You ever see that? No. Like, uh, like his old tweets um, are like about like Reese's Peanut Butter Crunch getting excited about watching Minions movies. It's like going to the aquarium. <laughs> it's like this super cute, like the stuff that he was tweeting while while everyone else was tweeting this homophobic and racist and misogynist bullshit. And then Lucas Toledo's like, so hyped for the touch tank at the aquarium today.
0: You know, so. <laughs> Oh, that's cool, man! I had no idea so, about that. Yeah, he, yeah. So yeah. That, I mean, that's
1: that's not a reason to draft him, but it's a, it's it's definitely. I'm, I'm there's certain players I'm not comfortable taking because of their their off the field actions. It's just like I don't want to root for them. Um, so he's definitely not doesn't fall in that camp, and it's it's nice to have people that that you are comfortable rooting for, especially you know um, if you're going to have on a lot of teams or on a big team. Um, yeah.
0: I I like that drafting for character too. <laughs> Awesome. Um, Alex Cobb is the next guy. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, that's, again, someone who's going to start, given the contract, given what they have. Um, and he's going so late that there's not much to lose. Like, it might be a few weeks that you use him. And there's a little bit of glimmers there, uh, looking at the pitch leaderboard again. Like his K minus BV was only 8.8, but look at the deserved is up to 11.3. That's not great. Um, but the, the ground ball percentage, you know, protects him a little bit. But right. um, If you ever look at like the PERA that, that Jeff Zimmerman calculates where it's it's taking individual pitches and looking at the batted ball. So like, what's your ground ball rate? Obvious splitter is excellent. Right. As right. opposed to looking at his ground ball rate overall. Cause like when you're throwing a four seamer up, you're not trying to get a ground ball. Um, so it's like, what can, can you do this when you, when you want to? So looking at the, the whiffs and the, play discipline as well as the batted ball on an individual and he's like solid with that and it looks, it looks a lot better than some of those other metrics and um i saw there's nothing to talk about in the news so take it literally like the zimmerman no this isn't of the news sorry uh, zimmerman's also doing the late round target kind of right. uh, posts about different pitchers and he said that uh if you took out like the games of Cobbs that you wouldn't have started him, like at Yankee Stadium this last year. It's like a three ERA, like the splitters back. Like you can't count on that, you know, but there's there's places where you can use them. Um, and that's kind of around 40 or whatever you're looking at. That's that's all you can ask.
0: It's a place that you need to go to, I think, as you're adding that back end, you know, roster depth on your team for pitching. Um, and this, this, this last guy I wanted to note, this one popped out to me because – um, he popped out on a couple of things I was looking at, and then he popped out to me on the forecaster too. He had a nice, really good write up, Mr. Pierce Johnson. Um, so tell everyone about Mr. Pierce Johnson, <laughs> yeah. So he's on the
1: Padres, I think. I didn't look this up before talking, I'm pretty sure he just came back over from overseas. I think he was, pitching. he did, is that right? Yeah. Yes, um, and like part of this is again, it's like around 45 or whatever, but that's like that's where I'm going to get middle relievers. I'm not going to spend up on them. It's so hard to predict year to year, which middle relievers are going to be good. Um, he's as likely as anyone, I think to put up those good ratios, if you need to start them in a week where um, you don't have any starting pitchers going, cause they're all hurt or they're all got terrible matchups uh, looking at again, like the leaderboard. If you, I'm not forget how I filtered this. Sorry, uh, 80 batters faced or more. He had the seventh best like whiff percentage. So whiff per swings in baseball, mm-hmm. fourth, be- fourth best CSW. Um, so he was kind of sneakily dominant and right. yeah, uh, good enough to take a flyer. Maybe somehow or another, he gets into the safe picture. But, you know, even if you're just using him a couple weeks to fill in, or even if it's just for peace of mind, knowing that you have someone that, that is a decent bet to put up good ratios. Um, right. He kind of
0: on so just I I I like it. I think it's a definite sneaky source for saves. I know there's a ton of guys there possibly Adams and um you know Hagan paddock uh what's his name um Pomerans but sure. this it could like you're saying in the 45th forty sixth round let's quickly hit on describing about your relative values to ADP um any any players that that, that you want to touch on that had like that popped out as being the worst values and the best values.
1: Yeah. So this is all just like, just uh, using a formula. I think there's actually from the forecaster to calculate the value of each draft pick and then comparing it to the projected value of the players. Um, right. That's a good, and, that's a good
0: process. I'm glad you mentioned that because yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it holds some value to when you evaluate your players.
1: Yeah. So on the, on the plus side, like it has JD Martinez as the best value. That's not someone i've taken i'm not totally comfortable or confident in the bounce back and especially in dc's so i don't really want to draft utility only unless i really do get a great value so having not gone right. there but, but interestingly modesty's number two even with the inflated um ADP if i'm not sure what he's doing right now but you know early second round he's still according to the projection second best value so
0: right that one caught my eye absolutely
1: yeah and apparently he's moving up to the first now um yeah in he's, a couple of
0: he's creeping up i know you know, it's – um, I want to go there one of these days. I really do.
1: I missed my shot. It's, easy. it's like the kind of player, if you're going to have a bunch of D.C. teams or a bunch of teams, period, like I want to have Mondesi in case this is the year where, you know, he stays healthy and does get to the 60 or whatever, slow on basis. But I missed my chance. A couple of early drafts I passed on him, and I didn't kind of anticipate that it was going to just move up so quickly.
0: Right, um, So. right. Just in case this is the year. I'm glad you said yeah. that because even like, you know, we're talking about taking calculated, you know, you know, methodical approaches. And then that still creeps in, right? It, you yeah. can't help it. The, just yeah. in case this is the year. <laughs>
1: yeah. And then and then once the projections love them, I, I feel like I've got license to do it. It's like, okay, I'm not just being irrational, right? Like, <laughs> this is, this is supposedly a 50%, you know, outcome or 50%, 50% outcome, so yeah, but it's it's yeah easy this very easy to see him being like the most valuable player. So
0: absolutely good point. Yep. Um Max Kepler. Um it's interesting because he's I think nobody talks about him anymore, right? I haven't heard this guy's name in any in, in podcast or anywhere, except for probably Toby's and Bubba's, you know, outfield breakdown. I haven't heard any mentions yet of Max Kepler all off season. So that's an interesting name that pops up right there.
1: Yeah, I haven't gotten him at all. He just seems kind of like he's going to rack up your counting stats um, uh, for you, going to provide some power. But that's I'm sure what's driving the evaluation. I'm not sure why I haven't gotten him, but this is maybe an eye opener. I need to be a little bit more, a little more open to it, right. um, and, and maybe see who else is going around that area. But that might be a good spot in the draft to grab one of those kind of compiling outfielders.
0: Yeah, and it might he. compiling outfielder right absolutely um have you gone have you gone into um rafael devers at all
1: yeah um i was lucky in my my current draft to still get that fourth round price because it seems like that's evaporating he was going fourth round a lot of drafts early now he's moving up to the third which is more appropriate um but i was able to get a a fourth round share and there's there's you know reasons for concern with the contract rate and all that's you've probably seen discussed but um the projections still love him so i think he's a solid value you know even middle of the third but if you can get him later in that then definitely a, a good buy
0: right so um how about some now of the worst hitting values in the top 300
1: yeah so these are these are more fun because they're more, more controversial so but according to the projections i have which are just you know weighted aggregations of those three systems um D- Dylan Moore is a terrible value. And this is just uh, players, I limited it to players with uh, 550 or more projected plate appearances. A lot of the worst values are just like Kalenic and Wander Franco and things like that because um, they're currently projected for so few uh, plate appearances. But if, if you look at roughly full-time players, Dylan Moore, like projections aren't buying his breakout. DJ LeMahieu, definitely not worth the price, um, especially if he's not in Yankee Stadium. Biggio, Brendan Lowe do we decide is it, is it oh, wow. um so those are those are a little more controversial grisham you know doesn't doesn't grade out well uh, solid, solid projections but not worth that middle of the fourth round price even though right. i admitted i've i've paid it i've i've had a Did couple drafts yeah i don't love it um but i've had a couple of drafts where you you go pitcher pitcher and you get to the third or fourth round and you got to grab some steals um and he's one of those last players that that are going to provide those um, for a while so
0: yeah right How do you um, how do you feel about Grisham? It feels like he's fairly polarizing. Yeah, I'm. I think, like you said this the skills are there, and also when you kind of need that power speed combo, he sits there and it's tempting. But I'm worried about where he bats most of like mostly. I I I, I don't think he ends up staying at the top. Um. Yeah, I don't worry
1: about that against. Right. No. Maybe I should um something to read up and pay attention to, especially you know if we get closer to spring training and all. I'm, right, right. I'm not sure how predictive spring training lineups actually are of regular season, but I seems like he deserved a pretty long leash as leadoff against righties, but he was already batting ninth, I think, against lefties, right?
0: Yeah. And that, and that
1: well, matters, you know, especially.
0: Yeah.
1: I know in past years that NL West had all those left-handed starters. So I'm not sure if that's still. Still the case, but that's something to consider if you're looking at someone who's going to be either Ben Sturt or Wade Down in the line of these
0: lefties. Right. And yeah, I'm trying to think quick in my head who may floss. through Bobby Ray is not there anymore, but that yeah. doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and, and Bumgarner is completely ineffective, I guess, right, these days. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, what a shame. What, what a competitor. And he just really. Did <laughs> did they did nothing. I so it's funny because I went to bat against DJ LeMaisie on a podcast saying I wouldn't draft him at at the time I was doing that podcast, he was at I think ADP 22. And I he lasted in the in this draft of I and mean, now he was there when I was picking at 50. And I was like, oh, and it's so you know when you got to recalibrate your brain to be like, this is the guy vehemently saying, you know, not worth where he's going now. At pick fifty, I'm like, okay, well, I think I'm gonna do it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I don't know. I took the chance. It's probably a big chance because he's not signed yet too, and obviously that could take a a big dip. But um, I'm I'm hedging that he's staying with the Yankees, and at pick fifty. I didn't feel like it was the worst thing to do with the multi eligibility. So, No,
1: so, yeah, he's probably he'll probably be in the Yankee Stadium, and that'll change the projection. But I just put in a, a pick of fifty. So, is is he worth the fiftieth pick? And the answer is no, no. Still. Shit. <laughs> it's still uh, you're it. still losing a dollar sixty two based Damn on it. these these numbers, which are you know, super yeah, big and yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. No, thing. no, of course, yeah, but that's still uh. All right. Well, but I'll tell you this—it was, was direct- closer than normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and,
1: and I think honestly, probably is worth it because I think like so these these projections, these valuations don't take into account the positional eligibility. But I've seen that estimated at worth a, an SGP, um, which would bump them up. Uh, right def- definitely enough to be worth that so i think that was a great pick up and you should you should feel proud of yes dj that made you nice fif- at 50 as opposed to 15 which is where he went in the draft that i'm in right now 15th overall wow
0: see now that yeah that that's that's wild you know I, like i said i i was biting it at 50 to do it and so yeah i felt good about it 15th high wow that must have been the guy, must have been high. Jeez, <laughs> that was the,
1: so at, at, at the turn, Lemehu and Abreu. Um, Interesting. 16. Yeah. Interesting. That's, that's a word for it.
0: Yeah. Wow. Whew. Okay. <laughs> I got to get that guy in the podcast. <laughs> um, okay. What else we have here? We're looking at the um, best non closer. Pitching values in the top 300. So we already touched on the Evaldi. Um Even DeGrom is still a value. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. So usually those first round picks, you know, it, just the way the, the formula works out, there's right. not, not many that return profit in the first round, but he's projected to be so good, especially in ERA, um, that it's, he's a huge value, uh, even with the ADP of 7.4 is what I've got here. Wow. Um, so
0: that's pretty amazing.
1: I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I've got him pennies behind Acuna for, you know, the most valuable, best player overall. So I know there's like some, some, you know, the concerns out there about his health. Um, I'm not too worried about it. And even if you think, think about it in terms of like risk reward, if, if the projection, if you trust the projections, then there's plenty of room for like building in some injury risk there and still having a profit. If he's a $7 profit in the first round, um, then he can lose a couple starts and still be a solid value there.
0: I agree. I, I don't see the dramatic injury risk that some people pointed out. Uh, Yeah. I I don't see it at all. I mean, and I also don't see he, I know he's 33 and you know, that's getting up there in age. He's still, and I think it was Matt, Matt Modica put a, a tweet out that showed the innings um, that pitchers have accumulated at age thirty-three, and it was it was amazing how much less he's thrown yeah. by his age than you know guys like Felix Hernandez. Like it was like half of what Felix Hernandez threw by his age. He doesn't have that that um all those innings on his arm. Yeah, not worried there about the Grom. Have you have you gone to Scherzer at all in any of these drafts?
1: I'm not in a D.C. I, I think I got him in like a private league that was set up like right after the season ended, um, in the in the third round. And I think he's, he's there's the potentials there for obviously like a big payoff. The projections still like him at that value, so I'm not opposed to it. Um, yeah. But he, he's defi- he's definitely outside of that like ace tier. Um, he's in that 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 next tier for me that starts
0: you know end of the second and then goes into the third. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting because the. The more that pitches get pushed up and it seems to he, he seems to creep down, it's it's yeah. it's a very interesting dynamic. How about Zach Greinke? Yeah, you're nay this year on Zach Greinke?
1: Uh, I haven't got him yet. It's he's, I don't know, an Enigma wrapped in a puzzle or whatever it is. <laughs> like I don't know what to do with Zach Grinky. Because wasn't his philosophy pretty far down? I wanna say. Um, even, you know, be, even beyond his normal levels. Like, I know he maintained the swinging strike rate. I know he maintained the strikeout rate as a whole, but, like, obviously there's going to be a year. It's like, going to happen eventually. Yeah. Um, so, not opposed to it, but I would not feel comfortable, like, especially if I'm talking about, like, a bigger money team. kind of fair. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll have him on a team probably somewhere along the way because there's right. enough, pe- enough people like me that are scared that he'll, he'll slip down sometimes, but...
0: I'd be feel way better if you started off like the Grom and G and then you, you know, like you added him as like a third, like yeah. you'd probably be a lot safer doing like I would at least that's, that's probably the route I would go, you know, to add that Grinke on my team. I have to be really strong up front with um. So now the worst non closer pitching values, my favorite guy, Zach, please Yeah.
1: It's like, he's in a, a category by himself in terms of bad values. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> But by, by the projections, of course. So you like, know, he, he's, of course. He's, the, he's the fulcrum of the projections versus, I don't know, skills or, or, or analysis kind of yeah. debate. But I actually did tweak his projection. So one of the reasons I'll do that is like, so Jeff has shown that pitchers with a certain level of a diverse arsenal will outperform their projections on uh, on average. And please, that qualifies for that. So, um, I go in and, and make that adjustment. Cause he said like about this much, like, I think it's like 0.25 um, ERA lower than projected. So I, you know, I'll make that adjustment to, uh, to steamer. And still he comes out as a, as a terrible value. So I don't know, like, I just, I'm not, if I'm not a scout, I'm not gonna pretend that I'm a scout. Um, um, sure. It looks good when he pitches, but to the, the difference in the value based on where he's going like the, the projections not just have to be wrong but they just have to be like so wrong like i can't get all the way there by any kinds of look at looking at skills on a you know a, what was it like an eight or ten start sample
0: yeah in a yeah in a terrible central but i like how you said that they like don't have to be wrong they have to be terribly wrong so that's interesting i just want to touch real back real quick back on what you said about um tweaking tweaking the adjustment so is a certain pitch mix that is, has brings a repeatability in the ERA, what um, right, you saying?
1: Yeah, so this is, this is all just Jeff Zimmerman. Um, I think he's called like projection busting research. He's got a few different categories of players that, that you know, not every time, but just, um, re- uh, on average or reliably will outperform or underperform projections. And one of them is like a two pitch pitcher is usually gonna do a little bit worse than projected in terms of ERA. Um, and a pitcher who uses, and I think it broke into two categories it's, it uses like three more pitches a certain amount of time or four more pitches a certain amount of time um, would do on average better than the, the projected ERA. So that's just one place where, when you see projections that they're just kind of out of act like this is a big favorite of mine, like steamer hates um but he, he's done it for a while now. And part of the reason is that he's got this this mix of pitches that I think the protection systems don't truly value properly.
0: Right. Um, so, yeah, they kind of do, they kind of overperform like, you know, the Kyle Hendricks and right. They, yeah. That's, that's a good point. That's something that's really good to bring up, um, which is why it's great when we could lean on just, such great data like that, right. That, you know, we have excellent, um, Analyst out there doing this amazing dig amazing work and we could just apply it to you know our our roster construction um it helps out uh a ton you know definitely helps out a ton one of the questions i had for you that i have here at the end is i noticed when i was looking at your your team history and i saw a bunch of interesting team names um so, I wanted to ask you you know what what was behind some of those
1: Yeah, so um it's hard to come up with team names, but <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, for a couple of years, I just found a theme, so I think it was two thousand eighteen um all my team names were some something from the TV show The Wire, like the best right. show ever um so it's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's like undoubtedly the best show ever. It's it's silly that people have conversations about what the best show ever is. Like, why are they wasting their time? Um, <laughs> so just, and I think I've been rewatching it then, so things were in mind, you know. But like in our like, why always Boris and juke um, the stats? I still use as a, as my main event. That's my favorite one because it kind of applies to baseball. But that's you know what the, the police do in um, the wires shoot the stats to to make felonies go away and so forth so yeah in 2018 it was the wire 2019 uh took team names from the good place i don't know if you've seen that um but it's a pretty good uh, comedy it. yeah it's it's a uh, it's
0: that's just... probably why i didn't recognize that why <laughs> yeah. i probably asked you like what what are these from okay yeah, yeah, I
1: it, that. yeah. Last year there was no TV shows worthy um, of this honor of having my, my fantasy baseball teams <laughs> named after them, so I, I just got lazy and named them after uh, players. So to keep track, I just named them all after like my first two starters. So like Colito for like a team that had Cole and Giolito, and and things like that. Um, nice. Just, just so I know what it was. And so, gruff.
0: So, What's the Gruff? That's um... uh,
1: Degrom and Woodruff.
0: The ground nice, nice. And like
1: I knew it, it saved me time because the, the the one that was named Flaherton for Flaherty and Morton, I knew Ooh. that team I knew that team was fucked. I just like, okay, by the end of the season, like this team is not gonna <laughs> <laughs> it's not going anywhere. Um, don't need to check the lineup as much. Um, so it did help me in track uh of who was, was actually on these teams. And when you draft, you know, 20 teams a year, it's it's sometimes hard to do.
0: Right. No, absolutely. I know like so, you know when people just do the something dc2 and something dc3 and something dc4 yeah. and uh, the last year um tyler jung like everything was yeah. socks right yeah. yeah sage socks and brown socks <laughs> and striped socks and i remember like when i really i like, caught on to it like like what all these socks like what's happening oh man that's cool that's awesome that's a cool little uh that's a cool little um Backstory there. So real quickly before we end this, um, we recently got into a a, a little dynasty league. Well, not a little dynasty league, but 20 man dynasty league. Um, with a bunch of industry guys involved with that. Um, so we took over, me and you took over two vacant, well, not vacant team but we took over two teams and which this was cool. We were allowed to do a dispersal draft instead of just taking over one team or the other. Um, so we had a chance to go head-to-head and, and, and do, do a draft off of uh, two different rosters. I completely um, – I went on and traded everyone I drafted in this dispersal draft. Um, I was actually thinking you were going to take Bellinger first. Um, and then I think I made – I don't know. I kind of knew I was going to sell off the team like, – you know, anyone I drafted and I, I kind of hinged on BTO's value more because it was an OBP league. But mm-hmm. in essence, I might've been able to get more if I, if I, if I took them the to Bogarts there, I like think I'm yeah. kind of mad at myself.
1: <laughs> I was, I was anticipating you taking Bogarts and I really wanted to get NOLA because I just, I just want to go for it. And NOLA was the, like the only, like definitely the only ace that was available to us in that draft. Right. Um, yeah, so was. I, I was pretty frustrated to, to to see you take him. I'm actually trying to. I think you've traded a lot off. I'm trying to trade for him now, so I could so I can get him. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. The thing is, I still kicked myself. But I brought up the the draft that we did, and I let you get Bobby Witt. When I made my list, I didn't have Bobby Witt on it. Bobby Witt Jr. for some reason. I kind of copy and pasted the. Uh, oh man, the, the rosters, the teams we were drafting off of. He just didn't make my list. Whatever sanchez instead of bobby witt jr which is like the worst possible pick in a dynasty um so every time i see that i kick myself
0: that's you know what that's so funny you brought that up because i was completely wondering i said you know but i guess like you're saying you were trying to win so i guess it's not terrible but in essence yeah you probably would have took you know bobby witt right (laughs) ahead of gary sanchez but um yeah have you I know um, I turn around and I traded my Nola, Biggio. I, I traded my first four picks, Nola, Biggio, Lazardo and Herrera. Um, traded them all. Um, I just like, it's the first time I'm really going to try to play for any type of, you know, uh forecasting future um i'm pretty much the same way my keeper leagues at home i'm trying to win you know i'm trying to win and not kill myself have some good rollover we have a um, 10-man keeper with contracts so i try to keep a good blend you know and i always try to keep some solid rookies to to kind of sell off maybe if i'm going for it uh, um, but in this league i said you know what let me try something you know like let me see i'm getting more and more into into the prospects i'm trying to do more research in that area um you know watching video and reading a whole bunch of stuff so I was like, let me try to do this. Let me try to set up a situation where in the future I could run off, you know, three or four solid years. And one of the biggest moves I knew I wanted to do was trade for Rutschman. He was one of the, my biggest targets. I I just see him like a, like a future Ramudo, you know, Mm -hmm. like a big difference maker at catcher and especially in a two catcher 20 man league. um, I see him as that differentiator. Um, So I knew I wanted him. I knew I wanted Julio Rodriguez. So I wanted to just do that. I got a bunch of, you know, other solid debt pieces for young guys, you know, Mackenzie Gore, Ian, Ian Anderson, even though I'm trying to sell him. (laughs) No one seems to want him (laughs) now. Well, at least, at least I, I thought I would be able to get more for him. I guess that's the thing. I thought I was going to be able to get it. So maybe my expectancy has to come down a little bit or everyone's obviously just onto that fact that he may have, you know, overperformed. um, last year so i was there any point where you was just like looking up names and trying to figure out <laughs> oh yeah
1: like i'm i mean part of the reason i did it was because i don't know nearly enough about prospects so um it wasn't too long until we were to that point where i had to start doing some research um, yeah and looking up some of these names but uh yeah it'll be fun. i don't even know if my team's good, like I don't have a frame of reference for a 20 team league or an OBP league, and this is a 20 team OBP league. Right. So I feel like I, I definitely drafted more for now, the present than, than you did. I still think I'm going to be like middle of the pack probably at best, but I figure it's the kind of team I, like I'll like. i just go a month or two and see how, it
0: see how things develop and then decide what direction to take it. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause you're right. I don't have a frame of reference for it either. And I was trying to look back at, you know, the last year standings. And and when I was looking for trading partners, that's when I realized who's playing for it. I don't know if you realize that too. When I was looking at draft picks for all the teams and like I, even Toby, he had like no picks in the first six rounds. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like he he already gave up all those. Yeah. And some people even um, contacted me like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm looking for, you know, even like solid – guys like Brandon Crawford and I was getting constant trade trade offers for for them and I'm like, ah, okay so, you know, these are guys who are going for it and they're looking for volume, you know, guys to plug in and then, so like you're saying, you know, you're trying to trying to like figure out how the league values players and I was like, okay, well these guys are in hot demand (laughs) for some strange reason, you know so Uh I guess uh, these guys needed some shortstop and middle middle infield help um so it's definitely an interesting dynamic i mean i think it's going to force me to just really really you know get into the player pool and i still probably won't draft a rookie or a ton of rookies in a dc but at least when i know like maybe i want to take a shot at one i'll have a better understanding of what their profile might be and like what they might rate out to be when they get brought up you know especially since there's a ton of more um minor league coverage now prospect coverage there's a ton of great stuff out there but um it gets overwhelming when you're trying to learn that and so like you know prepare for regular redraft leagues as well um so yeah yeah, it's definitely interesting i think you had the pick of the draft though with um with logan gilbert i think i i think that's gonna be one of those plays where he comes up this year and gives you something um you know, way ahead of what I think the timeline would going to be expected for him. So um, yeah. have, have you I, made any trades after? Yeah. Um,
1: I made a couple, probably like compounding my <laughs> mistake. I know like, they say that like, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. You shouldn't go for pitching prospects, but that's like all I have. My whole pitching staff is just prospects. <laughs> um, but I traded for another one. I traded Mount Castle for Edward Cabrera. Um, so I'm just taking kind of a volume approach. So I've got like, Gilbert, Lynch, Edward Cabrera now, Shane Baz will maybe start. Um, I think there's a couple others uh, that are kind of prospects that are closest and just hopefully a couple hit because right now my like, pitching staff is just, just awful. <laughs> um, so. there, was, wow, there was not man. a lot to go around. You got Nola and Lozardo and then kind of the rest were – Trade Not great. Except for Ian Anderson, which has a lot of trade value, and anyone listening should offer you something Right good for him. You know?
0: Well, you were able to land um Akantara, which isn't terrible. Um yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good pick. I like I like how you, you know, actually looking at the spreadsheet now, you, yeah, you definitely got a um you ate up in the middle there with the Connors and the Nick Andersons. Um pretty good run right there you have ryan presley definitely some solid contributors for this year. yeah i was
1: just going for like trade value i didn't really know like how to but i didn't i didn't think we had good enough players available to us to to go for winning it right now i don't know enough about know enough about prospects to to like build for the long term and just go for prospects especially in a league like this with a lot of people who know prospects better than me so i just tried to get thinking about like trade value so i have the flexibility um to hopefully make some moves. If I do kind of catch up on prospects, so I need to blow it up. Then I figured someone like, well, at that time, I thought Gary Sanchez, you know, in a, a league with 40 catchers would have some replacement value. Of course. Um, and yeah. pre- I got Presley and Anderson because, you know, there's not enough closers to go around in a league that big. So hopefully I can trade them if they're still, you know, getting saves. All
0: right. uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's, um, I'm glad that we got into it. Uh, that I know that's when we really started talking a lot when we were doing that little draft. So it was pretty cool. It was definitely uh, some insight into, uh, and there's a whole bunch of people in there. So really, it's really a competitive crowd, and it's active. It's um, it was, I know as soon as like we had our teams yeah. l- loaded, um, I, it was just offers left and right. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, it's it's cool. It's cool to get involved where um, everyone's really looking to you know shuffle around and um make some moves So, cool man i really appreciate you coming out we uh we had a good time talking here and um we had some some really good really good information here i think everyone's gonna get a a ton of excellent little nuggets of info here absolutely you brought it. You brought it tonight. Uh, I don't know about that, but you brought <laughs> it. You brought some nice. No, no, it's great. I love the way you you broke down some different points of um, interest in for her ADP evaluation. I think it's I think it's crucial that people um, hear that and learn how you know to apply projections and how to you know, uh, change them if you feel it's necessary. Um, you know, it's all stuff that you can get caught up doing the wrong way. So it's good to, um, really get insight into someone who's kind of, you know, really successful at it. Oh, actually, you know what, before we forget, we have, we have questions. We have listener questions. Bam. Hold on a second. Let me pull that up. Boop, 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 boop. Mr. Phil Douceau, the robot himself, he wants to know when drafting, do you stick mostly to what the projections or is there anything you look for in pitchers or hitters that you can't, that, that you think isn't accounted for properly in the projection systems? I think you mentioned a couple of things, but you can hammer it home again. Yeah. i I'm mostly
1: stick with projections. I think if I were to change them too much, I'd go wrong more often than I go right. Um, but if there's a good reason, um, something fairly reliable to that, to suggest the projection is off, I'll make adjustments, but even then it's, it's, it's within reason. It's not crazy. It's usually these small adjustments. So the Zimmerman research is one thing. Um, I'll, I think prospects, you know, the projections are gonna be a little bit less accurate on probably, less data to go on. So that's where I'll, I'll look into the opinion of experts, especially like prospect experts. And usually what I'll do in that situation is um, I'm not just gonna like arbitrarily bump it up like someone's projection, but there's always a range. So like Brian Hayes is a good example. Um, uh, like I've seen James Anderson has said, like his power is legit. He didn't have the minors the power he showed last year is legit. Um, so, okay, the projection is probably low on his home runs. Um, it needs to be adjusted, but I'm not going to like pick a number out of the air. So what I'll do is like look at the the projected home runs per plate appearance from a lot of different systems. And it's a really big range for him. It goes from like 1.8 home home runs per 100 plate appearances to like 3.6 basically double um wow. and if i think that that the the low ones are probably incorrect and missing something then that's where maybe I'll, I'll just manually put in the higher range um or throw the lowest one out and average the rest and that kind of thing so that still there's some kind of rational basis for the number that you're putting in um, right. but but you don't necessarily have to stick to an average because you know, projecting systems are going to miss things and they're some are going to miss different things than others, right? So you can kind of compare the different systems where they stand on players. Um, other like like steals and saves are places where I'll, I'll make changes. Playing time, where that's just you know based on the human element and following the news, and, and projection systems are always going to be up on which teams are running and which players are running. Um, so I'm, uh, uh, more comfortable making some adjustments there.
0: What about um, for speed for stolen bases? if someone's hurt like carrying an injury is that enough to like try to author something there? like if a guy's hurt in spring training maybe you're thinking maybe not running as you like yeah as much as usual that's something you'll even take yeah. with
1: as well yeah that would make sense yeah um like so far I was looking at it, I've only made adjustments to like 25 pitchers and about six hitters uh, I think you know I'm gonna adjust the projections for hitters more than for pitchers just it's, it's they're more accurate on the hitters but where I do change the hitters is mostly on stolen bases. So like projections think that Segura is still going to run. I'm not sure Segura is going to run as much as, as they think, right? So I'd right. uh, adjust that down. And I just took kind of the lowest uh, stolen base for plate appearance projection to right. use that one. And there's some other examples, like a Solak, uh, Solak I put up, Um, he's one where, you know, Steamer has Solak for like seven or nine steals. And, you know, he had that many, I think seven last year. So and, yeah. And so I could understand games.
0: So, and I love, I love it too. How on, on, on Tanner Bell's um, SGP tool, it was so cool how, you know, he said, all you have to do is do the, you know, the play to play to parents override. And I'm like, yeah. that's it, you know, because it, it, I mean, I'm not saying that's it because obviously like you could say it had to be a calculated move, but um f- f- for me i was floored like i didn't have to go through so much stuff yeah. to, you know to you know if you mm-hmm. and you could just sit there like like you're saying just play play with it play you know con, kind of manipulate it you know worst case best cases and you know you could really um it's just nice and easy to just put in a different number and it just puts out a different value for you so it's, yeah it's been helpful for me you know Yeah, that's
1: really convenient. another thing i think like looking at best case worst case but also um, comparing it to the draft costs, if there's a player you're not sure about the playing time, like I'll look at, okay, how many play appearances does he need to be worth a pick in this
0: round, right? Um, great point. And then right. If you think he's going to get at least that many, then
1: you've got you know an upside opportunity.
0: So. That's a yeah. That's 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 good. That's amazing stuff. I like. That's awesome, Dave. You got some great stuff here tonight. Um, Dave Swan, uh, our friend of the show at Vithius, What round is the earliest you'll take a prospect? Oh gosh um <laughs> what's a prospect
1: <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't think i've taken one in 60 c's really um, it, it would be pretty late like i it's just i don't even know how to answer the question because they'll be gone like the prospect's worth taking like or someone's always gonna take them before me basically like i'm gonna right. fill it i'm gonna fill in my depth um it, it's when we're talking about a prospect that's like not locked in or not likely to play not projected for playing time like that's just not going to be someone. Um, that i'm as high on as others and you miss out like I, I don't really get the like i didn't have acuna the year that acuna came up i didn't have bellinger the year that bellinger broke out but um in dc's you can't afford to waste a lot of picks and you know you're gonna end up doing that unless you get really lucky or you really know uh, your prospects you'll end up i think wasting some picks and then you won't have the depth you need to get through
0: right so you're saying you're not in at andrew vaughn at like 200
1: <laughs> no i mean if he gets if he gets a deal then you know and,
0: and right but right now you know, it's yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's not smart pick right yeah, it's
1: just yeah he's not been on my radar but you know he signs a deal then we go back into the spreadsheet we put in 600 plate appearances um and we see where he's at
0: so. right absolutely um uh, another friend of the show lsc at Can 2 he wants to know do you find strong pitching or strong hitting as a base is more important for DC success
1: yeah, so for DCs and for me and for the way that I play, at least, it's, it's pitching. I know that I can load up on veterans who play batters later. I can grind out, you know, by paying attention to weekly uh, lineup changes or semi-weekly, or sorry, bi-weekly, bi-weekly uh, uh, lineup changes. I can, I can get the runs. I can get the homers. I can get the RBIs. Um, so I want to get the the pitching ratios in particular kind of locked in
0: early if I can. Absolutely. Makes sense. All right. Now we're officially done. Now we officially made it to the finish line. Awesome. Steve, thank you so much for coming out. And uh, maybe as we get toward the uh, closer to draft season, we will do another show and we'll really hammer down some more ADP analysis for everyone to, um, and, you know, to not, not use against us in draft, be friendly, All right. but uh, thank you again, Steve. Thank you so much for coming out. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Go. Cool. Alrighty guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Pull Hitter Podcast. Next week we have a loaded week as well. We're going to try to keep churning out all these podcasts and lead you right into draft season so you can be armed with solid knowledge that can help you win. Until next time, be be safe and don't be a bag of shit.